Did you know that there is a new Charlie and the Chocolate Factory, Willy Wonka, whatever you want to call it, coming uh, starring uh, Timothy Chalamet as the titular Willy Wonka. Wiki Wonka? What the hell? Willy Wonka? I like the idea of Wiki Wonka. Yes, he's like, ask me a question and I'll have an answer. Is it true or not? (laughs) I won't tell. If you view our website, verify this knowledge, we can't. (laughs) You'll just have to take a chance. Did that actress date a cat? (laughs) You won't really know from this. actor you know he's just like bring me matthew modine <laughs> this will now make the film better which i'm not disagreeing with until we learn some heinous news about him which i doubt but you know what i mean like matthew modine has now turned into ed bagley jr and i'm okay with it hey you know what uh, i'll take give me all the ed bagley's you got uh, i'm for it i'm for it Junior, senior, the third. I'll take them all. Yeah, we'll 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 take your discount Bagleys, Bagleys. (laughs) We'll take every. We'll take take your day old Bagleys. (laughs) (laughs) Oh boy! For those wondering what that Uh, is, just look it up. uh, (laughs) Look them up. Look him up. <laughs> Look him up. You'll know when you see him. You'll know. <laughs> You'll know an old Bagley from a new Bagley. That's all I'm saying. <laughs> Pop Saga, you know we keep it groovy. We talking cartoons, books, TVs, and movies. A couple of nerds, but got style. We so cool. Pop culture, talking new and old school. Yeah, you should know we love hip-hop. From the roots, Ty Lib, shout out to Feral Munch. We giving you what you want. It don't get no live. I ain't no doubt we got you. This is Pop Saga. Let's go. Oh, yeah, you heard right. This is a lifestyle. Welcome to the nerd life. Pop Saga. Hello, friends, and welcome to another episode. Today, we're going to be honoring the legacy of one of the titans of modern illustration and comic books, Neil Adams. A larger-than-life figure, both in terms of talent and personality, Adams was also a tireless champion for the rights and recognition of artists. So join us as we talk about one of his most beloved works, Batman number 251. Uh, along with our usual nonsense, of course. I'm Forrest, and I am joined, as always, by John. And, Neil, this one is for you. You're here. Uh, yes. Oh, oh, no. Mm, okay. Oh. I uh, I chose poorly. <laughs> I chose, I'm sorry, uh, Neil. What, what, did, what did you choose? Well, um, you know, we as uh, as people may or may not know out there, Neil Adams passed last week, and so you and I, John, uh, I mean, of course, he means a whole lot to us, his uh, based on his work in comic books, and to me personally as an artist, he means a, a a whole lot just because of how he, as I mentioned in the intro, championed artist rights. A lot of how mm-hmm, artists get paid mm-hmm. these days would not exist if it weren't for his tireless crusading. And so I thought, um, 
to celebrate his life and honor the uh, him, I would get a beer called Aloha Death. Which oh, is, <laughs> oh, oh, okay. Which is uh, here's um, here's what I did not know though. It, yeah, shoot. It's flavored with coconut. Oh no, nope. So I mean, nope. <laughs> so nah. I don't know. Now I feel bad. I feel like you know I was gonna celebrate life and death, uh, mm-hmm. like they like they do in, in Dia de los Muertos, mm-hmm. Uh, mm-hmm. by getting this uh, aptly named Aloha Death. It's a low. It's hello and goodbye. Right and right. Uh, and the and the beer's real bad. Anyway, that's uh, Aloha Death by Iron Horse Brewery. What are you enjoying tonight in honor of our, uh, our in honor of our show honoring the the great uh, Neil Adams? Uh, I went with a classic Corona because that was all we have left in the fridge. Mm-hmm. Somewhere along the line, someone brought me way too many Coronas, and I've been kind of having my Marge Simpson moment where every day I've been having one. <laughs> you know, kind of like when they move to like. <laughs> That's your glass of wine after wine, you're yeah. done with all, uh, with all of your work. Yeah, just whatever. It's just like dun dun dun. <laughs> so you're telling me you're developing a taste for it. I mean, they're cold, and it's not just water. And I literally am trying to clear out the uh, fridge because no one else will hear. Everyone here just. They drink their sodas. They drink their little, you know, mixed drinks or whatever. But like all the the pre made cocktails or the beers and stuff, those just kind of sit and languish. And I'm just trying to do my part. And I figured a cool cat like Neil Adams would probably just like a a, a basic beer and a Corona. So there you go. Yeah, yeah. I guess Corona they could probably rename to Ola Death. <laughs> <laughs> well, I don't know. Because I don't know what. Because I don't know what beer died and and their ghost has uh, has distilled itself into a bottle. Because that's what I, that tastes like to me. Corona tastes like the ghost of beer. I would rather have the ghost of beer than a beer that someone decided to put fucking <clears> coconut <throat> in. Yeah, listen. It's someone, like, it's... someone messed up. Someone <laughs> messed up. Someone was just like, you know what I really like. I like the idea of having coconut in my beer. <laughs> Put the beer in the coconut, right? <laughs> Throw the can away. <laughs> oh god, this tastes terrible. We'll, we'll just uh, we'll sell it. Someone will think it's really cool and stuff, and you know it'll move, and then we'll just stop making it. <laughs> Close well, up shop and move somewhere else. <laughs> so I wasn't going into this totally blind. Uh, Iron Horse makes an, an amazing beer called Irish Death. And uh, so this is another sort of uh, this is another beer in their line of of morbid themed beers, and okay. uh, I was exp- you know maybe my that's that's just it my expectations were too high because what? this is uh, this is no this is no Irish death. What's Irish death flavored with? Horseshoes, green clovers. <laughs> How dare you? <laughs> Blue moons. How dare you? <laughs> Butter, <laughs> carries gold. What's it flavored with? Uh, I don't. It's not flavored at all. That's the thing. Well, that's why that's I didn't see where it they coming. did better. Yeah, come on. Ugh. 
Also, I don't know why, because it is a, a, a beautiful tropical island, obviously, but I don't associate coconuts with Hawaii. I associate pineapples and macadamia nuts. Yeah, I think that's fair. That's usually the shit that people bring back after they go, you know, here's 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 a pack of macadamia nuts. You know they're from Hawaii, right? Yeah, well, I don't yeah. want to... Uh, I don't want to blow up anybody's spot who's gotten that for you in the past, but those that is what you get in the airport on the way out. Oh. You know what they sell in the well, airport on the way out? Well, macadamia nuts and pineapple. Well, really? Yeah. you could, There's like, And they come in like a box, like a special pineapple carrying box. And I assume that because they're sold in the airport, it's one of those things where you can cross state lines with them. Maybe. I don't know if they blast all those bugs off there. <laughs> <laughs> I mean, I guess I've you know like when we when I flew in from South Africa into Dubai, someone had some biltong, and they just they were just like, nah, we don't know what type of meat this is, so we're just gonna confiscate it. Mm-hmm. <laughs> and I was just like, well, good thing I did, but I kept that shit in my bag. Was <laughs> <laughs> walking around with my whatever you know beef biltong it was, and said I took that shit and crammed it in my carry-on and they didn't stop me but they stopped a couple people i was traveling with who dining on that forbidden meat i guess i don't know but they they were very overly cautious about it (laughs) somebody uh speaking of that somebody i used to work with uh bought a bunch of very realistic but like one eighth size uh, little like steel rifles and, and guns and stuff. Mm. And they weren't like, you know, functional, obviously. They were just little toys. And they were about, you know, maybe four inches long. N- nowhere near the the same size as a real weapon. But Hong Kong Airport, plane gets stopped on the tarmac. Police pull him off the plane into a little truck that is waiting nearby and Damn. go through his suitcase Basically, that when they open it up and they see that they are tiny guns, everyone just has a good laugh and they let them go back on the plane. But talk about sweated bullets. I mean, what what do they what is like the X-ray machine or like whatever? <laughs> like, is it just like add fifteen pounds to whatever it sees? Like, whoa! Look at this fucking assault rifle. He's got this suitcase is just filled with assault rifles. <laughs> Yeah, I mean, they just, I, I imagine they're just kind of obligated to check it out, but it's like, at the same time, there was a lot of dramatic, because they just could have gone through it without him present, but they, somebody thought, okay, this man has a bunch of tiny guns that he's figured out how to miniaturize, <laughs> that are, of course, you know, in his checked baggage, so again, it's not going to use, like, you know, they weren't, this was going under the plane anyway, but the, definitely the... Someone had to have seen that x-ray and been like, oh my god, he's running guns! Tiny, effective guns! He's arming cats! Or other <laughs> small other small mammals! He's f- doing a whole insurrection! And That's what he's doing. army of squirrels! They're gonna take over the world if we don't stop him now! <laughs> so, yeah, yeah. Uh, What's the lesson there? Uh, I don't know. When I went to Italy when I was uh, in high school, I bought a butterfly knife in Venice and brought it back with me. Oh, uh, uh, how well did that go for you? 
that went a-okay. I brought two big knives back with me. Uh, I think both of them were my checked baggage, but no one batted an eye. Yeah, because they're your checked luggage. Like, what are you gonna do? So uh, were the tiny guns. That's no, I mean, saying. I, I mean, I hear you. Like, look, I'd be a little scared of tiny guns. I guess I don't know. <laughs> what if they go off of the plane? Yeah, it might just, make a tiny hole. Yeah, what if it like sets fire to your 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 clothes or or you know makes it look like it's just moth eaten? Uh, <laughs> Well, there's yeah. a there's a tiny powder burn in my uh in my my breast pocket. This is weird. This is weird, <laughs> wacky, wild stuff. And I mentioned my friend was uh, Johnny Carson. <laughs> yeah, you've you've. I mean, I didn't want to be like put you on blast like that, but yeah, you talk about him. You, so. you won't stop talking about him. Won't stop it. about him. It's like you just keep doing his uh what Karnak the his psychic thing all the time and stuff yeah, it's, it's, it's really i i know and the thing is like it's really problematic uh and i just figured that out and i'm like uh-oh i probably should have been doing that all the time but it's too late like the, the cat's out of the bag so to speak weird wild stuff <laughs> <laughs> i like it johnny carson ed bagley jr who else can we <laughs> dig up <laughs> Well, I mean, everyone knows who Ed Bagley Jr. is. He was in that two-parter on Voyager. Of course. Of course, that's where everyone remembers Ed Bagley Jr. Yep. That's where I... That and Transylvania 65,000. <laughs> that classic money laundering movie for the Dow Chemical <laughs> Company. <laughs> Uh, we need some money. Where can we make this movie? Well, they screwed us over in Yugoslavia. Yep. But guess where we're going? Sir. The Sir, our funds are frozen in Yugoslavia. They won't let them repatriate those de- all those dinars we made. I've got the perfect plan. Get me Egg Bagley Jr. <laughs> Joseph Bologna. <laughs> we need the heavy hitters in this one. Get me Joseph Bologna. And give and get a young Gina Davis or we just Gina script. Davis. We need a script. Uh, what what's a timeless movie that people will surely love? Let's talk about what people used to have to say to an operator to get to a certain area code. <laughs> we'll call it Klondike. Five five five, <laughs> <laughs> J. Everyone's like, "What? <laughs> no, sir. We gotta go to Yugoslavia. Oh, right, of course. Yeah, they don't have Klondike bars. Listen, put Frankenstein and the Wolfman in it. <laughs> okay, okay, I'm liking this. Yeah, yes, you see, and uh, Ed Bagley Jr. is a newspaper reporter, and jeez, uh, I don't remember anything about this movie. <laughs> Well, you remember more than most. That's important. And I guess it's important for those listening. You don't need to know what he's talking about. I mean, you can look it up, but you're going to still wonder what the fuck he's talking about. So uh, good luck with that. Yeah. And if you can find somewhere to watch it for free, don't. (laughs) Yeah, that's... I guess we should lead with that, right? Yeah. Like, can you watch it for free? Yes. 
don't don't watch it for free and if you're having like one of those larks where you just like oh i'll, I'll buy a movie on amazon it'll be cool and it'll cost seven dollars don't keep your seven bucks yeah keep those seven dollars especially make sure that the, like two cents of that doesn't go in franklin jealous pocket don't be me. Don't find this out after you've already purchased the movie. <laughs> it's too late for me now, though. I've crossed over the Rubicon. Um, but uh, you know what, John? After Right before recording this, I had a horrible anxiety about this episode. Oh, how so? Uh, well, I, 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 fe- I felt like it would come off as not genuine because... I think we've we've done a very few tributes on this show, but it's always come from a place of true, uh, true like emotional connection and actually caring and wanting to say something about uh, the people who have passed. And it does it feels a little gauche, I guess. I don't know. I I just don't have confidence, like I said, my ability to properly honor somebody who was just such a such an just a, such a titan in the industry. I mean, I think you're doing a pretty good job of it. It's like one of those things that it's just difficult to articulate how anyone impacts your life, right? Like, or the things that you grow up impact your life. In, In our instance, you know, we do, you know, all this pop culture, yuck, yuck stuff, but like, these are our building blocks of who we are. It's where we pull ideas from when, you know, when we're presented with opportunities for work or whatever, like, you know, it's just kind of where we go to. And when you do lose a Titan, like a Neil Adams, you know, it's like not everyone knows who he is, but you would know his work. Absolutely. You you know, so so many iconic renditions of characters you love. I mean, you know, some of them are like the, the, where your mind's eye goes when you think about the character. Like for me, I think about Superman. I think about Neil Adams, Superman, even before, you know, like uh, Dan Jurgens or any of those, what Neil Adams did for Superman, even just in the Superman versus Muhammad Ali gave me uh, like a definitive Superman to pull from his Batman work was so influential, you know, in a lot of ways, a lot of people give Frank Miller credit for shaping who Batman is now, but realistically it was Denny O'Neill and Neil Adams who started bringing him back to his Gothic roots and, Mm -hmm. You know, even the comic that we'll, you know, we'll touch on a little bit that we're talking about, it kind of set the stage for even the new incarnation of the Joker that we got. I mean, this dude has created Jon Stewart, Green Lantern. Uh, who else has he done? Uh, Ra's al Ghul. Oh, right. Yeah. That kind of the design, the the facial hair. Yeah. And even Man Bat. These were all ones that he co-created. And with Denny O'Neill, right? With Denny O'Neill, yeah. And it's just, it, 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 it's just like these are 
some of the most influential characters in like the DC world, save for Man Bat, maybe not so much there, but that's <laughs> he's still a good character. Yeah, maybe he's, he's still not cool. as iconic as some of Batman's uh, rogues gallery, but uh, hey, you know they took the words, they swapped them around, and they made a real fun character. Someone looked at someone looked at a Batman comic in the mirror and said, "I got it, Denny. I got it." <laughs> Instead of a Batman, we're going. Man, bat, and he was like, "Neil, you did it. You don't did tell it again, more. Neil. No, don't tell Mortimer down the way. He's always <laughs> trying to steal an idea. You know what I mean? Like just, we just gotta keep this to ourselves, and everything will be all right." But I mean, shit. Like, if I couldn't picture another artist giving us the man bat look because of how immensely talented. He was, but more importantly, even with his peers, like when you look at a comic, you know, from the seventies, depending on who's drawing it, you might get some really cool pages, but then you might get some stuff that looks like it's decadently from that decade with Neil Adams. This stuff is just like, Whoa, like you were drawing like this in the seventies GTFO, you know, like that really illustrative approach. Mm -hmm. they took and so like you know i wouldn't worry about being disingenuine because you can talk to the work but more importantly you know what he did for this industry and yeah truly you know what i mean like there's that you know it, it was tough like when we did it, like for me when i hear the news it it's like i've met the guy one time I, I was fortunate enough to get a couple of his signatures on things, you know, around my office, including a, a, a print of uh, Batman 251, um, you know, and it, that was a great thing for me, even though, you know, he's met hundreds of thousands of fans. But for me, it's just like I've always been a fan, but he always felt like he was part of the family in like the constellation that makes John like once that star is kind of out, you realize it's no longer there. Mm -hmm. And, you know, that kind of, you know, it hurts in a weird way. It was the same with Chadwick Boseman. Sure. That yeah. just hurt because it wasn't like I knew the guy personally, but for what he was doing for people was huge and, you know, very inspirational to me and kind of what I do now too. So like losing these, these people, you know, it's tough. So that's why. I mean, you know, in this instance, I felt like we have to do our duty as Pop Saga to kind of, you know, talk it through. Yeah, and I I think to your point, and I think it's a good one, the personal connection that we both kind of, that A, both of our careers have to the uh, impact that Neil Adams made on, you know, the industry at large and at comic books as well. And uh, in our personal lives, I think really... Um, I mean, he just was someone who meant a lot, I think, to both of us. Uh, but, I, you know, I would really love to hear about the time that you met him. Oh, hey, cool. Yeah, yeah, yeah. I want to say it was at uh, Big Wow Con or something in uh, in San Jose. Mm -hmm. I was down there with, I don't remember if I was dressed as... Uh, 
dressed in costume or if I was by myself, I kind of remember wearing that because I was like, this is a lot of heavy shit. And I remember people carrying around. But anyway, we went down there. And like any con, you know, I, I'll check to see which artists are there. And if there's anyone that I really dig, you know, I'll try to get something. And with, you know, like Neil Adams, his whole booth, like, I mean, he commanded a whole booth just to himself, but like a huge thing with all his prints. And he, there he was signing. I think his wife was there and one of his kids was there as well. And, you know, he was working, but he was just larger than life. And I was just like, you know, I was talking to my wife and just going, you know, I, I love his stuff so much that I, I, I'm going to do it. You know, like I'm finally going to go up there and, you know, buy some prints and just, you know, give him the obligatory, you know, thanks for doing what you do. You don't realize what you've done and how it's impacted me, but I really appreciate it. Um, you know, that speech, I feel like mm -hmm. every, they always get, but you know, I just felt like I had to say my piece and that's what I did. You know, I went up to him and I picked out some of my favorite pieces. I really do dig the cover to uh, Batman 251. I really love how like dynamic, especially given the, uh, you know, again, when it was drawn. Sure. Yeah. <laughs> I mean, know, like, it's one of his better known works and for good reason. Yeah. It's just a great, for those listening on it, it uh, features the Joker. The Joker returns after a big old break and Batman's kind of hanging on a playing card and Joker's larger than life, but it, it's just got great colors and great blocking. So I picked that up. I picked up a uh, Wonder Woman sketch he did that is just, you know, one you would have never knew he did, but it's gorgeous. Um, and then I also picked up uh, one of my favorite things he did. I think he did it for either, let's say it was either Black Belt Magazine or one of them was a picture, like almost a study of Bruce Lee. Um, just various poses and stuff. But the detail and everything in it, it was just gorgeous. So I picked that up and, you know, he personalized one thing for me, the other things he wrote his name on. And it was great. He was very... Nice and generous with his time. And, you know, uh, when I said my piece, he was just very much like, yeah, no problem. <laughs> and I was like, hey, no worries. I don't know how to take a compliment either. And, <laughs> <laughs> you know, walk well away. Played. You know, but it was it was really cool uh, getting to meet him. And, you know, he was so spry. And everything I really wish I would add my Superman versus Muhammad Ali there because I would have asked to get that sign. Uh, but yeah, no, it just you know, just those brief moments. And there's been a couple times I've met a few artists, I won't really say who, where I've been like, Oh, okay, well, I'll, <laughs> yeah, I'll, I'll buy your, I'll buy your, your art. But I don't need to meet you in person again. <laughs> this this has to, been a, a terribly destructive experience to my image of you, sir. Yeah, or it's just gonna, yeah, it's just like hopefully I'll find someone cooler now <laughs> to latch on to. Oh, Jeff Darrow, he's over there. Later, fucker. <laughs> Go talk to him. He seems cool. <laughs> That's hilarious. Uh yeah. It's funny that you said that you may have seen him at, uh, or you, you're fairly certain you saw him down in San Jose. 
Because I have never met Neil Adams, but I did see him at the comic convention that they had down in San Jose that I went to a couple times. And uh, I didn't know what Neil Adams looked like. Like I knew his, uh, I knew his, you know, signature or his his name from the comics, and I could recognize his drawing style. But I'd never seen him in real life, and so I was walking around, and I hear this guy sort of like holding court for a crowd mm-hmm. of people, standing up in this humongous booth. It was like the biggest booth on the floor, and uh, I it just looked like like a, a used car salesman. Like, he was just a guy Yeah, it's apt. Yeah, and he had this very, you know, with the graying temples and this, this sort of quaff of dark hair on the top. And just, like, this huge white smile and just, like, a glistening pearly teeth. And it was just like, I was like, who the fuck is this guy? <laughs> like, who does this guy think he is? Because you look over it because his, his voice is just booming over the din of the crowd. And then, of course, I walked around and it's like, oh, shit, it's Neil Adams. Oh, my God. I can't believe all the things I just thought about this guy. <laughs> Who's this old dude chilling up there trying to hold court and sway everything? You're like, oh, oh, oh. It's so funny because, like, of course, now I don't have, I did not have the uh, the courage that you had. Um so I didn't approach him, but certainly at the time, it was definitely the situation where it just it made a huge impression on me, because not not only because you get to see one of the people you grew up admiring and admiring their work in person, which means a lot, but also the, the fact that I was just so wrong about everything that I was assuming. <laughs> just like ah, what is this? This guy's probably like, oh, he's probably trying to sell some cool action figures. Uh, cool, oh yeah, just over like he's gonna rip off a bunch of kids. Nope. <laughs> no. Yeah, he's just he's gonna rip off a bunch of old ass adults. I would like to. I would like to buy a Neil thing, please. Just make the day of all these uh, these people who were gathered around, just lapping it up. Of course, because it would be amazing to be in a crowd and be addressed by someone you hold in such high esteem. But of course, yeah, I was like, uh, oh, this guy looks like a politician. <laughs> what, is he, what is he doing? I mean, you know, he, I mean, in a lot of ways he was right. Like he, mm-hmm. you know, like you learn about him and just kind of, you just like, you know, like when you meet those people, like, I mean, you even know him now, like you'll hear it where people are like, look, you want me to do this? I need to get paid. Yeah. Sure. And it, you know, and for him, it wasn't just like, I need to get paid, but I want to make sure everybody gets paid, you know, like when he went out of his way to make sure that like Jerry Siegel and Joe Schuster got credit and some sort of money from DC for creating Superman. Like think about all these years that these guys got nothing for that because they got like paid on a higher, you know, pay for higher basis. So like no recognition to creating one of the most iconic superheroes of all time. And, you know, they were damn near destitute. And it took, you know, Neil Adams, like, just pushing the industry, saying, no, this isn't right. We need unions or we need something to protect, you know, these artists. And he had that, at that point, he had that level of weight where, like, 
you know, like his name meant a lot. And the fact that he was able to do that for them, I, I've always been so impressed by that. Oh, absolutely. I mean, you if you read any of the the articles and the thoughts that were written about him after he passed, people just said that he had this uh, he used his clout in a way to help other artists and he had this outsized impact on uh on like the growth and like the 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 picture of the industry as a whole. He was able to push through artists that would ne- probably have never been met before or you know never been uh, it's never been able to get into the room with uh to get an interview he would just call up mar you know the 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 what do you call like the 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 executive what is the editor who is the editor i think editor it's the chief. editor chief yeah he would yeah we'd call up the editor chief and just be like hey this guy's got talent uh and then they would just hire that guy on the spot because they wouldn't even want to see his portfolio he would just be like Oh, uh, Neil recommended him. Okay, fine. <laughs> yeah, we good. We good. He we, knows what. It, he might know a thing or two about a thing or two. What an yeah. incredible eye for talent that uh, he must have had. Uh, I mean, like, I mean, I don't like. I don't want to be blowing smoke up his butt, but like, yeah, he he has the eye because dude is beyond talented. Like, holy shit! Yeah, he draws a very. He's like incredibly good with anatomy. His understanding of anatomy is like, you know, obviously this this might sound like no crap, right? Because artists should always, if you're drawing the figures, you should have like a uh, encyclopedic, a photographic knowledge of anatomy. But you'd be surprised how many artists don't have a great grasp of anatomy. There are some out there working in comics. But, Holy shit! You 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 know me when I even I, I a, a luddite when it comes to like drawing or anything can look at something and be like you don't know how a human body looks or works. <laughs> like, yeah. I want you I want you to do that with your hand and tell me what fucking will happen. <laughs> but he had the so, ability to his understanding of the fundamentals was so uh studied and rock solid that he could express things in a dynamic interested way he could push poses and they would always look natural and they would always uh they would read you know instantly and uh, he could also like with architecture he could express ar- architecture with you know just a few lines and a few accent you know uh texture marks here and there he could express an entire scene, and if you really look at that close, you're like, "Well, this is this is actually kind of loose." But he had like the, his style has this, uh, it has a like life to it. it has motion, it has energy in the way that he creates his uh, his line work, and it just it was so impressive to me how how. And of course, you know, if you do this for long enough, you're going to master at least a portion of it. But he just had an eye for everything, seemingly. It, it, I know. I, I guess it's weird to say. I agree with you a hundred percent. Like everything you see that he does, especially like if you even just like when you're talking anatomy and you talk about like like what he did for Tarzan and shit. Sure. Yeah. Some great pieces there. You know his backgrounds, like everything 
compositionally works very well with whatever you do. It's just like, there's really nothing where I could, like, I wouldn't say fault his art. Like at, at all. He just, you know, he definitely knew what he was doing. Like, and you know, his paramount character for sure, I would say would be Batman. And, you know, he gave us so many iconic Batman like looks. He got us the long ears, you know, the sweeping cape, like that whole kind of look that, you know, we shit, you still see to this day. In fact, I got, I literally got a birthday card from a friend of mine that uh, has Batman singing happy birthday like Batman would. <laughs> yep. But it's in his style. It's Neil Adams, Batman, like full stop. That's, that's exactly who they copied his Robin, his Batman. That's exactly who they copied. And like with good reason, it's like, yeah, when I think of Batman, he's the Batman that I see. It's just like when I talk about Brian Bolin, when I think of the Joker, his Joker's the one I see, you know, like some people have just given me definitive looks mm -hmm. and like, Neil Adams have done it like multiple fucking times. Like I said, it's <laughs> Superman, it's Batman, it's, it's John Stewart. Even though like, you know, and that was progressive because John Stewart was like really like the one of the first black like superheroes mm -hmm. in the comic scene, you know, not necessarily discounting, you know, the rival Black Panther or any of that there, but like to kind of have his own run, his own story and all that stuff. That was fairly progressive for the time. Even though if you read the issue, you kind of go like, okay. <laughs> well, I mean, you, you, you're trying and I appreciate that. It's a, it's a step forward, but. <laughs> I mean, you know, like I, I will say like for this podcast, I went back and I read, uh, Batman, uh, you know, 251, paying special attention to the art, obviously, because of the subject matter today. But, uh, you know, like the writing is just like, oh boy. <laughs> yeah, <laughs> like, well, you know, nothing you against, mean. uh, you know, Denny O'Neill, of course. Uh, but, uh, <laughs> it was the style of the time. Well, that that's kind of the killer, right? Or the kicker here is that, like, while the art, I would say, was is definitely more advanced than what a lot of people were drawing back then. Um, you know, like just highly detailed. Like, I, I think he really pushed that kind of almost hyper detailed with your characters or, you know, giving them like, like a level of depth that he kind of puts into stuff for sure. But the writing still <laughs> had that kind of like transitional period where you're just like, <laughs> Okay, this isn't not Alan Moore deep. No, you know? I mean Batman is kind of a lunkhead in this in this issue. There's a lot oh, of yeah, situations yeah. he gets in where you're like, "Oh, Batman, did a guy, did a, just a regular guy get you?" Oh, Batman, no. Yeah, did yeah, you he just didn't. did you get blackjacked in the back of the head by just uh, like what did that guy? What was that guy named? Like Larger Melvin or? Yeah, the one, the fucker who was just all like, well, I'm kind of scared going first. He's like, that's a good idea. And I was just like, why are you letting this guy tell you where to go, Batman? Don't he do that, like, Batman. He said, <laughs> he said, 
Uh, he's like, we're going to take you into protective custody because the Joker's going to come kill you. And he's like, okay, that sounds good. Hey, can I get my toothbrush first? And Batman's like, it seems like a reasonable request. Lead the way. <laughs> <laughs> my toothbrush. Well, you know, dental hygiene is important. Important, but you know, it's like, Thwack. I'm glad this... Yeah, I'm glad it's here he's taking care of himself. Hey, what's that sound? What's that whistling sound behind me? <laughs> <laughs> I gotta move. I gotta move quick. My brain is... <laughs> he's like... The poor bastard lives on a a garbage scow as well, which is, uh, which is great. But yeah, Joker just totally... He totally has about class. There's a part where he knocks the Joker knocks because uh, Batman gets knocked out again. He gets knocked out yeah. twice in this issue. He gets knocked out again, and mm-hmm. the Joker is just like, "I could kill him, but I won't, cause it's too fun." Which is a again, it's the very Joker thing to do. But it's like Batman is only alive because the Joker is is having fun with him. <laughs> Easily could have died. Oh yeah, I mean that would have been it. It's like, man, that was a that was a that was a bold take. He's they like, ended the whole series yeah. after two hundred and fifty one. They just the Joker just stepped on his neck until The Joker's just like, I can't believe it, I've won. He literally says that and it's like, Yeah, you did. Okay, I didn't realize that this was the great sort of matchup for the ages was like the Joker just all you had to do was wait. He had to just wait in a shadow and Batman just barges in. Oh, jeez, I didn't save this guy. <laughs> he, he didn't get by his toothbrush at all. Oh, <laughs> <laughs> uh, oh I also love, the, another part I love in this, this issue is uh, there's a very evocative f- uh, drawing sort of later in the issue where Batman barges in again. <laughs> They make a point to write out, it's like, with no thought to stealth, Batman just fucking knocks down the door and screams at the top of his lungs inside <laughs> the the abandoned aquarium. But there's a great drawing of uh, Joker's face sort of silhouetted, like, inside of a shark's jaws, mm-hmm. which I thought was great. But then I looked down, and there's literally a plaque that's like, shark's teeth grow back, and if you get those teeth out of the way, oh boy, they can't do nothing. <laughs> Which is very great foreshadowing with for what happens later in the uh, in the book when when Batman disables a shark in a very grisly way. He did like is Batman doesn't kill people, but he sure's who killed that shark. He'll kill the fuck out of a shark. <laughs> <laughs> What I love too is like this is supposed to be the world's greatest detective, and he gets on top of the shark and he's like he's using his like uh, manacles to to uh, like he puts it like in the shark's mouth and he's just pulling up and he's like I'm gonna try to break some teeth or I don't know snap its spine or something he just says or something he doesn't fucking know he's like if I put my chain in his mouth and I pull real hard something's gonna break. Well, I mean, he didn't have the, you know, the bad adult, like the bat anti-shark spray on him. And <laughs> yep, he, he, he was trying to rescue that other guy who got thrown in the tank. Um, <laughs> and then, like, I'm pretty sure, like, I like the fact they call, you know, like, you know, Batman is in excellent shape. 
because you know he broke the tank from the inside swinging a wheelchair yes he uses yeah. every scintilla of uh strength to overcome the water resistance oh thank you thank you i'm glad you you glad you packed that quote but see very nice but i'm also like i don't think that would ever work no <laughs> no also <laughs> i just remembered the joker <laughs> so the joker it's so Batman agrees to be put in the shark tank with a shark to save this criminal's life, which is very heroic. It's a very Batman thing to do. Uh-huh. Uh, but then the Joker just pushes the other guy into the tank anyway after Batman's already in there. And Batman's like, you promised! <laughs> <laughs> Can you imagine a movie where Batman's like, oh no, what you pinky sore? Oh! And like even the Joker's like, I lie all the time. It's, what it's did what you I do. think was gonna happen? Yeah, okay, yeah, yeah. I mean, he could he could hope, you know, like maybe you know the Joker would <laughs> well, maybe be able to open up this time. He's told the truth. <laughs> this is the good time. Again, remember, it's what was written. You know what I mean? Like, I can't knock the man for what was written. You know, at the time, they were like, oh, this is some high caliber stuff. Sure. <laughs> when you think about it, you could just kind of go like, Ooh, Joker could have killed him. That hench dude could have killed him. Uh, that boxer that Batman was boxing. <laughs> no, he held, he held the heavy bag for him. And then the boxer was purposely missing and punching Batman in the head. It's like, ba- sorry, Batman, I missed the bag. And Batman's like, that's perfectly fine, understandable. <laughs> Could happen to anybody. And then, then he then he just started to beat that guy up. He then he, he mercilessly beats him. <laughs> He's like, he says, <laughs> again, the drawings are spectacular. They sell the action in a way that you rarely get from a book from that time period. But the writing is funny. I'm not trying to make the, I'm not trying to make fun of this very well respected book, but uh, I, I love when Batman's like, "Oh, he's he's like, yeah, you know, you're not gonna go to. I knew you wouldn't like go into protective t- custody, but what say if you had an accident, a fist based accident?" It's <laughs> 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 so pizza. So bad that he has to go to the hospital, and his re- his logic is that the police will then like you know they'll watch Protect over him. him. Yeah, which again, it works. But <laughs> he's just, I'm gonna beat you with an inch of your life to save your life. Don't you get it? <laughs> Sorry about the teeth. Sorry. Oh wait, it was a fist based accident, Commissioner Gordon. Couldn't be Could helped. Have- couldn't be him. Then he fell into it. What about when he was out there for like ten minutes, uh-huh. he, like when they found the first body? Oh my God. He's out there, and I'm like, wait, wait, wait. Batman was disguised, but with an umbrella. He, had, he just had a really big umbrella. I love the idea of Commissioner Gordon showing up. And there's all the police that are gathered around. And then there's one person in a bright blue cape and a really big umbrella. Is that, is that Bob? Oh, he must, yeah, the new coroner must be here. 
what an he's interesting got, sense of style this person has. He's got a real nice, he's a real nice uh, a, a, a cape or a, a poncho. That, that's got to be what that is. That's no way. I've been here for 10 minutes. <laughs> <laughs> I did not want to be disturbed. <laughs> he just is like, Commissioner Gordon's like, I wish Batman would arrive. And then Batman, I had to like double take on the frame because it looks like Batman just beans Commissioner Gordon in the face. With his umbrella, <laughs> it looks a lot like he just like whips him across the face. He's like, "I've been here for ten minutes, and no one said hi. No one's noticed me. I was here." <laughs> I love that he showed up early to two because he needed to inspect the crime scene. So again, there is this <laughs> Batman-shaped silhouette under an umbrella. Because I don't know when the last time <laughs> you went anywhere where there was umbrellas everywhere. But that's not hiding your face. You have to be very obvious with an umbrella to hide your face. You have to be pointing it away from the rain, number one. I mean, you could do a lot, but if you wear a giant blue cape. (laughs) And blue boots. With with scallops, like pointy scallops. Like maybe you could be like, oh, maybe some other people wear capes. No, Batman's cape's very, uh, very iconic. Yeah. Like if like even in the rain, you'd be like, Oh, there's Batman. Batman's right there. You know, versus just like normally how he's skulking around or something. Yeah. In this instance he's just like, Oh, it's rainy, you know. Alfred will hand me my umbrella and we're okay. <laughs> uh but like to your point though, I mean there is a lot of like corny, silly dia- dialogue that kind of makes you think of the Adam uh West um I- incarnation of Batman. But it is a fairly dark it's a issue that all those things considered, there's a lot of death in it. I mean, Joker wins. Like, <laughs> just when it comes out, he got enough of the motherfuckers. Like, the, the whole premise for those uh, at home, you could find it on Comixology or uh, DC Universe, their comic app, if you want to read it. Um, the Joker's back in town, and he's trying to get revenge on his his old like crew. Because they and turned like, him I mean, in. They turned him in, and he's just like, "You're not going to do that to me." And then he decided to drive like a big rig back into the city, or whatever, <laughs> like a big old truck. But I was just like, "Yeah, he was. He was. He, he's out for revenge, and he damn near got everybody. Like, I mean, all it, except one." Yeah, all except one. And I mean, like, the boxing guy, he killed by poison in his fucking water. Yep, he poisoned that guy's water. Uh, he kills one guy by actually meeting him. Joker, again, speaking to the art, he's always shown, like, emerging from the shadows in a really creepy way. There's a, a lot, mm-hmm. there's a definite horror vibe, which is not a huge surprise because some of uh, Neil Adams' first comics were horror comics. Mm-hmm. Um, but he, uh, like he does a great job with like com- communicating that menace, and definitely the the time that he meets the guy in like the Cosy Hotel, the C O S Y Cosy yeah. Hotel, uh, and uh, they're like he gives him a he's like hey you're not the one who <laughs> this is another <laughs> part I love he goes so you're not the one who betrayed me are you and the guy's like oh no what pals Joker oh we're always joking around I'd never do anything to you and he's like okay cool have the cigar 
And the guy's like, hey, it tastes pretty good. Uh, what is this, some kind of exploding cigar? He's like, anyway, I'm in for a joke. Hey, Joker, everything's cool. And then he, and then he's like, how much damage can a can a uh, joke exploding cigar do? <laughs> and then it shows the outside of the building, and there's like a gout of flame coming out of it. It's a humongous explosion. He blew that fucker up. <laughs> it's just so funny because he's like, how bad could it possibly be? Oh, come on, you're always joking around. Joker, you and me are friends. <laughs> Boom. And then he's like, yeah, well, you know, too bad that the, the cigar was filled with nitroglycerin. <laughs> <laughs> just go, holy shit. But he, like, that predatory grin on his face. Like, even when, you know, like you have, you know, you have that kind of like bouffant hair and he's just got like that grin where you're just like, the Joker is still one of the most, to me, is probably one of the most unnerving villains there is. Like, outside of the skin and, you know, like the, the other makeup and things like that, just that like almost rictus type grin that he has. That he's just like, oh, yeah, you know, looking at people. Like, yeah, and just to see that emerge from a fucking shadow, I'd shit my pants, too. Absolutely. <laughs> Are you kidding? Yeah, absolutely. And, like, he he, he gets them all, just like you said. Uh, the guy we talked about earlier who went back to get his toothbrush gets him, too. After he actually goes back to get his toothbrush, did you notice that? Where he was like, he told Batman yeah. he wanted to go back and get his toothbrush. He mm-hmm. knocks Batman out, and then he's like, now I better go get my toothbrush and skip down. <laughs> Dude really wanted his toothbrush. Well, to be fair, he wanted to get his toothbrush, his gun, his knife. Right. And and then he was going to skip town and I'll be none the wiser. And then, nope, Joker was there. Joker was there the whole time. Yeah, and that's kind of like I like those stories. It's it's probably why I enjoyed, uh, you know, the Batman movie so much was that while we got to see Batman be a detective, we also got to see what happens when he doesn't realize what's going on. You yeah. know what I mean? Like he 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 isn't clued into the crazy machinations. And like that that was what made Riddler so terrifying was you don't know how much he set up. In this one, Joker's five, you know, almost literally five steps ahead yeah. of Batman. He beats though. him once. And then twice. He gets him twice. It's yeah, only, I mean, the only reason that he gets caught at the end. Spoiler alert. But go out and read it. It's a quick read. Yeah. But the only reason he gets caught at the end is that he slips on an oil slick. <laughs> because there was a ecological disaster off of the coast of uh, of Gotham. And, and sludge has been washing up on the beach. That's how... Uh, Batman tracks the Joker to this abandoned aquarium uh, that was shut down by the government because of the oil spill. And then when the Joker's getting away, which he's everything he's done, he's he's won. He gets away. He's totally got the upper hand on Batman. Slips on an oil slick, and then Batman's like, ha, 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 ha. <laughs> "Jokes on you, dummy!" Because yep. <laughs> Joker's like, "Oh, it's not funny." And Batman's like, "No, it is funny." You don't get it, but it's so funny because you're you're the only one who could have made me like pollution. Yeah, that's how it does it. And you're like, what? What the hell? <laughs> this this uh, this uh, issue has been sponsored by Dow Chemicals. 
<laughs> We're going to get our dinars back one way or the other. <laughs> one way or the other. <laughs> it's but it's so much fun and the art is so well done. Truly. You know like you know it just like I think that's just the you know, like that's the that's the great thing about being exposed to someone like this, but it's also the thing that you know I know I'll miss. And I mean, look, dude was eighty years old, and he did so much for this industry. You know, he he's done so much awesome that, like, yeah, no one will be able to take those accolades away from him. But kind of knowing that that light isn't in the world anymore, kind of makes me go like, oh man, that sucks. Um, I wish I had a better way of articulating it, but that's kind of like, you know. Truly. I mean, it's just like, uh, for me, he was somebody whose name was just synonymous with comics. And at least in my brain, he would have always existed, you know, as long as comics existed. As long as I was going to be alive, there was going to be a Neil Adams talking about comics. And I would be reading occasionally about him on articles or seeing it at cons or something. He was just so connected with the medium for me in my head that I just never imagined a world where he wouldn't be a part of it. And that is right. that kind of, it's just hard to reconcile uh, in your mind, right? Because you keep thinking like, Oh, you know, and you know, because you don't know him personally, it's, it's easy to forget that, that he just, yeah, he's, he's, uh, he's moved on. And yeah. uh, I think one of the things, so I was reading some stuff about him, of course, since uh, ever since we found out that he had passed and his, one of his children had eulogized him on Twitter and I read the thread and I thought it ended, you know, the point he was making was that people ask him what it was like to have Neil Adams as a dad and what mm. his point ended up being was that Neil Adams was sort of a dad to everyone that he came in contact with. He had this uh, energy about him and and this desire to, um, you know, to to encourage and inspire and assist and you know nurture this these people. In the industry, you know, sometimes it was because there was, he could see there was an injustice that was being, you know, visited upon somebody and he tried to do what he could to, to write that. And then mm -hmm. sometimes it was just about someone being on their last dollar and him being able to, to use his considerable influence to to give them the opportunity that, that they so clearly had uh, had, you know, deserved anyway. Um, <clears throat> so I think, I thought that was really, that really codified it for me that kind of brought together, I mean, of course it was from his family. So of course that's going to be something that rings true, but he did have that, he had that effect on people. Uh, and I think that is something that, what a, what a sweet thing to say about somebody and what an, uh, what a sort of, what a goal to have sort of as a personal growth to be to be uh to be able to to give back to people uh in that way um is something that i don't know it's just something that's so admirable and heroic in a way oh i i i 
you know, couldn't agree more. It's one of those things that I think as you, I don't know, I won't speak for you, I'll speak for myself. As I've gotten older, I've been trying to figure out how to do that. And it, it's not one of those things I've ever felt like growing up. I, I, I would do that, you know, like, oh, let me, I got to take care of people. Or I need to pass it on or I need to do something, right? Like I need to try to be, I guess, what, a little bit more magnanimous and help where I can. And I never had that drive as I was younger because I was just busy, you know, trying to keep my head above the water. Um, but, you know, as I've like kind of cemented a career and everything else, I've definitely been looking to ways of uh, being able to give back or, you know, provide that opportunity or chance because, you know, I, I like and, you know, like what I do now is um, you know, I'm very fortunate and, um, you know, I feel like it's the only right thing to do is to be able to provide other opportunities for, you know, way better people to start doing this than I. And, you know, to hear that, you know, I'm not the only one thinking this way that he, he did as well. And, you know, did just, it sounded like, you know, by all accounts, he did just the right thing, you know, use, you know, if you have influence or you have that ability or you can help someone, then you should try to help them to the best you can. If that means giving an opportunity to someone who might be a little junior in the field, but you know, needs, uh, needs that chance, you do that to, you know, uh, donating your time or donating some money or anything that you can do to kind of help, you know, just try to make the world a better place, even for your respective fields. Yeah, absolutely. You know, but, and it, uh, it's just something that is, is a very admirable trait and uh it was just so great to go back and read stories about um him you know changing the way that artists get paid for their work and and allowing you know championing the fact that artists can own their own work and have it returned to them and so they can make a secondary income from this thing that they slaved so hard at uh you know producing for these companies who then go on to make a ton of money and then they see you know, not a lot of returns on that, but then they're able to take that art, that original thing that they created. Now they own it and they can make, you know, they can sell it to their fans and, and really recoup the, what it's really truly worth um, is, is something that is just so fantastic. It, it, yeah, I mean, you're right. And it sounds, you know, like now it sounds ridiculous that that isn't the case that, you know, you work so hard over this and you, don't see anything more than what you got paid for the page, but you know, not even being able to use your original artwork. But now in this case, at least you can use that to make a little extra money, make a little scratch. It's just, it just makes sense. And I'm so glad that he, you know, pushed for that. Yeah. Cause I mean, certainly there, he wasn't the only one doing it, but he had the kind of, uh, he had the kind of influence and in the industry even you know very early on to be able to use that sort of influence like just like you said to uh to do something good so it's just it, you know <clears throat> there are just very few people who have had this big of uh, an impact on a industry that has only gotten bigger since its, its debut and mm -hmm. 
yeah, it's just, you know, it's just sad that he's gone, even though, like you said, you know, he was retired or semi-retired anyway. I mean, yeah, I still love seeing, like, even the things that he was drawing up to late. And you, like, I mean, he even, you know, we kind of ragged on Gotham a little bit, but he did a sketch of the actress who played Catwoman on Gotham, and mm-hmm. it looks phenomenal. It looks like he never skipped a beat, like, yeah, at all, you know. And I know, I mean, look, I know some, like, look, if my mom cooks now, I ain't eating that cooking. <laughs> yeah. You know what I mean? You know, like sometimes you just kind of forget how to do, you know, you forget that maybe you didn't put salt in it or maybe you put sugar instead of salt because you got a little confused or whatever, whatever. But, you know, he he he, ha- he didn't mix up salt with sugar. That's all I'm saying. Yeah, I hear it. <laughs> you know, it's, it's some great work, you know, and it just, like, I mean, shit, you know, the one, the, the biggest thing that impressed me about him not just his champion stuff just like that illustrative mind to how he would like even create new costumes he's like responsible for my favorite robin costume which one's like, that one tim drake's oh yeah that's right a good, like, that's a really good one and he designed it with movies in mind like he was just like look they're gonna be making these movies they're gonna do this i'm gonna design a costume that looks good for uh you know uh film instead of because he he realized like what's on the page doesn't necessarily work on the stage you need <laughs> to add more texture and you had to have you know more definition and stuff you had to give him pants hey guess what everyone knocks possibly one of the greatest batman movies ever batman forever but that robin costume looks pretty good yeah not bad not bad and i'm just saying especially that, that for was, the time Oh yeah, I mean, you know, nipples notwithstanding. Um, (laughs) (laughs) But I mean, like, you know, that's again, just another touch that he was able to kind of bring into the world, just being a little bit more forward thinking. I'm just super impressed, same time, super sad, uh, you know, that he's gone, but definitely, I can say that during this time kind of talking about it has been very like cathartic for me in terms of just being able to kind of articulate why Neil Adams means so much to me that like, you know, if I mentioned it to some people, they'd be all like, who? I'm like, whatever. It's like, he's a, he's a foundational block. You know, it was just as sad as when I heard David Bowie died or Chris Cornell, Chris Cornell. I just stopped working. Yeah. You know, because these are like my voices and, you know, my experiences is my youth. And it was just one of those things that just like felt like I was losing a little something. And like with this, it's the same thing. I'm losing knowing that he might not be doing any work, but we do have literally a font of stuff to pull from and to bask in that he's done. You know, and not a lot of people can say that. So true. Yeah. I, I remember feeling similar when I found out that uh, Robin Williams passed away. That really hit me in a way that very few celebrity passings had in the past. Exactly. Exactly. That was just like, you know, that was just a moment where you're just like, what? No. 
no. Like, you just, you can't believe it. Yeah. Uh, for me, it just feels like this is just going to always be a constant in my life. You know, there will always be these people, and they'll always be part of the... Uh, my existence and like while well, i don't interact with them at all in, in a personal way and i don't even know what they're doing on a day-to-day basis there's comfort and uh you know there's frankly there's just comfort in the fact that you know that they're out there doing their thing it makes you feel uh, i don't know like everything is going uh everything is predictable and everything's going exactly like you would like it to and then when they you take one of those little blocks out of your personal Jenga tower, um, you know, it gets a little wobblier. <laughs> you know what I mean? uh, oh, yeah. No, I know. I know. I know. I get you. So, yeah, but, yeah. Mm. just another uh, another a sad day for uh, lovers of uh, comic books and art and illustration. Um, but... Uh, also a day to celebrate the life of a, an incredible creator. Here, here. Here, here. To you, Neil Adams, uh, you will be missed. Uh, and I think on that note, that is going to do it for us this week. So let us roll right into the acknowledgments. First off, uh, thank you so much to Burton M6 for the incredible theme song. There is a link to his Fiverr page in our show notes. So check it out if that is something that you are interested in doing. Uh, you, do you want to join the discussion? You want to share uh, your favorite Neil Adams work? You can do that in numerous ways. You can uh, reach out. You can tag us on Instagram or Twitter. Um... You can find those in the Pico link, Pico link that is also in our show notes. And, of course, there's the Discord. The Discord's a fun place for you and your friends to gather and talk about Batman and other things. Um, and, of course, if you just were, maybe you want to just send us an entire uh, show that you've written yourself, uh, you could do that, too, by emailing us. Uh, the pop saga at gmail.com. I always feel weird saying at twice there, but what else are you going to do? The English language is failing me. Um, so I mean, you could shortcut it, I guess. <laughs> I guess you could. Uh, uh, just uh, we've got a Gmail address. It, it's at the pop saga. No, it's not at uh, it's it's the pop saga at gmail. Dot com. See that? I didn't say that twice then. Hmm, maybe I have failed the English language. Hmm, okay. That sounds more, that sounds more apt. Uh, yeah, probably more likely. Uh, and of course, the we've got t-shirts, we got mugs, we got all sorts of fun stuff. Check them out. That's also with the Pico link. Um, so with all that said, as we like to say at the end of every show, we hope that wherever you are out there, however you choose to listen to us, that you're feeling happy and that you're feeling healthy, and we'll be back at you next week with a brand new episode. Remember, Fork. Remember, Forks. Remember, Forks. Remember, folks. Support your local comic book store. If you liked hearing us talk about Neil Adams, go out and buy you a couple of his books. 
Pop Saga, you know we keep it groovy. We talking cartoons, books, TVs, and movies. A couple of nerds, but got style. We so cool. Pop culture, talking new and old school. Yeah, you should know we love hip hop from the roots. Ty Lib, shout out to Feral Munch. We giving you what you want. It don't get no lava. Ain't no doubt we got you. This is Pop Saga. Let's go. Oh, yeah, you heard right. This is a lifestyle. Welcome to the nerd life. Pop Saga.